This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com hello and welcome to the Lobe strangers a swindon town fan podcast with me rich pullen rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a good shot Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Love Strangers podcast. Thanks as always for listening. A reminder that I now have a page on Facebook. Search for the Love Strangers and I'm sure you'll find me. The page will act as another source for any announcements and updates and where I can respond to any feedback as well. My guest for this episode is Rafael De Vita. Rafa was the third signing of the Paolo Di Canio era and was a regular throughout his two seasons at the club. These were two of Swindon's more eventful campaigns in recent years, so there's plenty to talk about. Of course, we talk about Swindon Town, along with his early years in Rome and moving to England to play for Blackburn Rovers, plus his career in Scotland. Rafa was amazing to talk to, and like all of the guests who have featured on the podcast, give up their free time to talk to me. I appreciate it hugely, as I am grateful to you guys for listening. It's time to once again sound the hooter for episode 8 of The Low Strangers. Enjoy. Rafa Devita, hello. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. Um, thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure. So you are a native of Rome. For those who don't know, because I do, are you a Lazio or Roma fan? I'm obviously a Lazio fan, yeah. <laughs> um, and it wasn't too bad for you growing up, because they won Serie A when, when you were in your early teens, I imagine. A couple of Coppa Italia, Super Coppa Italia's. 
It, it was brilliant, brilliant yeah. How he was uh, back then. He was uh, a big, big club. He's still a big club, but obviously, uh, if you look at that squad, you probably wouldn't recognise too many. That just I wouldn't say he's an average team now, but he's just he always competes to every year. He competes to get to Europe, whether it's Europa League most years, and uh, hopefully, eventually, we'll go back to Champions League. But back then, it was unbelievable. You know, you I, I, you know, I was uh, growing up watching players like Nesta and. Salas and Veron and Almeida, you know, it was just for me they were, you know, plays that you know world class and, and it's different now, you know. You, you watch anyone can get a game for last at the moment, even if you're just uh, if you do well one season at a low at a low level and you get a contract last. It seems like that. so it's not as exciting as it used to be. But obviously, I'm still, you know, I got a lot of friends at Lazio fans and I watch it every week, so. Uh, that, that, that I don't think that'll ever change. change. It was all about Beppe Signori and uh, Cassiaraghi yeah, yeah. for me when I was growing up. Yeah, well, there, there were, there was, you know, back then he was in the 90, late 90s. Well, Signori and Cassiaraghi were probably early 90s and mid-90s, by the way. You know, the, the club was completely different. How intense is it growing up in a city with a football rivalry that, that significant? Um, he's, you know, Rome, he's, he's, I wouldn't say he's as bad as... Glasgow, you know, Perry's more to do with religion and that, but back home it's just, it seems like, uh, you know, you're either on one side or the other and that's all that matters. And it's hard for people from, you know, the support, different team, you know, the other, the other, the other team to get on with each other because it's pretty much what people talk about all week and there's, it's different from England because over there you get radio stations that talk about Rome and Lazio pretty much 24-7, you know, there's people calling in saying, oh, I've seen this player last night, and then they, they talk about what they're doing in training. Just constant, you know what I mean? It's 24-7, and, and for some people, it's uh, basically uh, life, you know what I mean? It's all, it's all that matters. Now, my football education was very much in the 1990s, and I vividly remember being glued to the television every weekend to watch Channel 4's coverage of Serie A with James Richardson. Um, it's pretty odd to think that Serie A was the most accessible football league in the UK for those who didn't have Sky. Did you have access to English football in the same way that we had coverage for Italian? Do you remember how you and your friends growing up regarded English football? Not really, I think. Uh, no, back then, to be honest, I didn't know much about English football. I knew the, the main players. You know, I remember when I started to know about football, it was when Juventus were pretty much winning everything in Europe and I, I obviously I remembered, you know, I knew about Manchester United when they won the treble and stuff. I knew the main players, but I didn't know much about the, the Premier League and, and I even remember when I, the first time they told me about uh, going on trial at Blackburn Rovers, I, I didn't have a clue. I thought, what are they like? I didn't realise that they were a massive club. They just won, not just, but... Uh, few years uh, previously they won the Premier League and stuff and they had massive players like Shearer and Sutton and, and, uh, and you know these sort of names and I just didn't know and uh, as soon as I came over I realised how big he was but um, back then I think uh, we, we felt as kids that the Serie A was everything and there was no need to take an interest in any other leagues which is obviously very different now. Now am I right in saying that you start your your apprenticeship or your youth career with Roma? Uh, no, that's. Uh, I think I, I believe that's a mistake on Wikipedia. Some, some guy to wind me up. I think he must have must have wrote that. Up. I played for. The, I grew up at Roma, Roma's academy. But I've, the thing is, I, when before I left to go to Blackburn, I was in a 
you know, the boys, boys club that was owned by ex-Roma players, but the players from the 90s, like Giannini and Fruzzo and players that played for Roma, but had nothing to do with Roma. So I, I don't know whether that's, that's maybe the reason, but I've never... Thankfully, I never won that shit. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be the first or the last time that I'm conned by Wikipedia, I can yeah, assure exactly. you. Robinson thrashing this one across and cleared only to Mark Walters. Can he make room for the shot? Blocked, but there's Horner! A brilliantly driven in equaliser from Kevin Horner! go from the city of Rome to Blackburn Rovers how on earth did that come about uh, it was strange I was 15 and it was just I was really happy you know I was I was quite good at school I was concentrating on school obviously I was playing football I love football since I was uh, since I can remember I always played football um, but uh, that season I was I was doing quite well and uh, and as I said it was one of the old Roma players that it was he was he, he, he took a, a big interest in me. He was like training me when on my days off, and, and I was pretty much training with him all the time. And uh, all of a sudden, I found out there was an English agent uh, that, that started coming to the games, started flying over to Italy to watch the games. And and before I knew, you know, he told me that if I was interested in going over to Blackburn for a week, five days a week. And, um, and as I said, he was just out of the blue. I didn't I didn't have a clue. I didn't know where else to fly to because I didn't know much about England. They told me. I was going to fly to Manchester. I thought Manchester was in London. I just I didn't have a clue. So uh, I went there and it was uh, it was a shock because you know it was just a different. I just couldn't believe that kids my age were playing football uh, full time and they were just going to college on a day off. And and I've never seen the grass pitch. It seems crazy to think this, but I've never seen a grass pitch in my life up, that, up to that point. Because in Rome, until obviously now we got astroturf and stuff, but back then it was just. Um, I don't, I don't even know how to explain it. So that it's gravel like, pitch is, is it? Yeah, that exactly, exactly. You don't see grass because it never rains back in Rome. So uh, if, if you played on a grass pitch, you meant you mean that you were a, a Roma or Lazio, or like, you know what I mean, like a massive club. But for most club, clubs, it was unthinkable to have, a, to have a grass pitch. So when I went there, it was unbelievable. It was, it was like a five-star hotel and you had all the pitches outside. It was just, it was surreal. And, uh, I done well. I, 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 well, they thought I done well, and um, all of a sudden, my fifth day, they were like, we want to offer you a scholarship and uh, like a, a contract, two year scholarship, and then uh, professional for another two years. And it was, it was a bit of a shock for, for me. Yeah, for me, it was just a dream, and for me, it was normal to to think that I was going to do that. But then when I went back to went back to Rome and I was trying to explain that to my parents, they were like, whoa, like, what, what are you on about? You're 15. What? You got school and everything, so it was a bit of, it was crazy, it was kind of January, we only had a couple of months to think about, because then I would have had to fly, fly over and, and move there uh, for good, basically. And how was your English at the time? I was pretty much non-existent, you know, Rome, well, Italy in general, they don't really focus too much on English at school. I knew, I knew the main sentences, but I realised when you go to Lancashire, that's, it doesn't matter, you know how to say can I go to the toilet or the pencil is on the table and stuff like that? I just, I just, you know, I mean, that didn't really help me in any way. And, and also, you don't, you don't learn English with the Lancashire accent, which was a problem because people were speaking to me and I thought, this is not, that's not English. You know what I mean? That's, I'm going to have to learn the language from basically from from scratch, and uh, that's what I've done. So, how did you adapt um, to life in Lanc- Lancashire? Um, who helped you settle? Um, 
to be fair, I had the, the first first few weeks were horrible. Uh, I just I used to wake up every morning thinking I'm just gonna have to try and understand people again. I'm gonna go on another day without speaking to anyone or you know what I mean. Um, it's, it's, it's tough when you think that that way. You wake up every morning and you know that you're gonna struggle to to uh, understand people and to communicate. But um, thankfully, the woman that worked in the laundry at the academy, uh, she managed to explain to me that. Her husband was Italian, and uh, half Italian anyway, uh, but obviously I didn't know what was going on. Eventually he came and he started speaking Italian, he was like, and, and he started crying, I couldn't believe it. And uh, they, they, yeah, I think, I, I still think that if it wasn't for them, uh, I probably would have struggled to settle, and who knows, maybe I would have phoned my parents and asked them to send me back to Italy, but he was, uh, he took me to his house, and um, he had Italian TV, and it was just, it was just crazy. Every time I finished training, I could go to his house and like, give me, give me skis after two days. Uh, and he just said, whenever you want, just go in, watch Italian TV, and we can have a chat, have a cup of tea and stuff. Whenever you need. Um, otherwise, I was just, uh, you know, we, we all lived together with the, with the other lads that were in local, so we had like a kind of um, it was called a lodge. So you had like about twenty rooms, and you were sharing with someone and. It was kids, you know, in your room all the time, so it wasn't too bad because you never had time to to uh, feel lonely. You know, what I mean, you had you had people in your room up until half half ten at night when everyone had to go to bed. Then, uh, so it wasn't too bad. You know, it was probably harder for my parents, I'd say. Now, Blackburn Rovers are a comfortable Premier League side during your time at the club with some big names playing at Ewood Park. You had Lorenzo Amoruso, Tugai, uh, Brad Friedel, Ryan Nelson, Brett Emerton, Craig Bellamy, Benny McCarthy's there, Rocky Center Cruz, uh, Morton Gamps Pedersen. Did you train with the first team at all in those early stages or was it until the last two years? Uh, not the start, no. When, when Sunis was there, because Sunis was the first team uh, manager when, he, when, when, I, when I signed and then he left and Mark Hughes came in. But as you said... The standard, the level of football, footballers that were at the club was unbelievable, and just they were doing so well that every year there would be, you know, at one point we had Santa Cruz, as you said, Benny McCarthy, and Lucas Neal, and it's all players that were playing international football. It was a dream, you know what I mean? But every now and then we, we got caught up with the first team, and we, we used to train with them, but I didn't really, uh, really got involved. I never felt like I was on, I was even close to be in the first, even though we were. You know, I was having lunch with them, we were having breakfast and stuff, we, we would share the gym. Uh, so it was a great experience, but I just I just tried to learn as much as possible from them, watching them at the weekend. We were, we were ball boys when we were young, so uh, all the academy lads used to go to the games in Ewood Park, and it was unbelievable. I, I honestly loved it. I couldn't wait to go there on a, on a Saturday afternoon to watch those sort of players uh, playing in front of me. I always read that Mark Hughes is quite... Uh... A quite a distant manager who doesn't really talk to many people anyway. Is that is that true? Yeah, he, well, he's, he's, he's always had. Uh, I think he's still uh, up to up to this day. He's got two coaches uh, in staff that are really really good. One is Mark Ball, and the other one is Eddie Nesbisky, and and they pretty much do everything. And he just kind of oversees the training and stuff. But he's a he's a he's a proper manager. You know what I mean? He doesn't take the sessions, and um, but. You know, he's, uh, he's when he was a black man, he was uh, done really well. Um, he signed the right characters and the right players, and he, he took Blackman to a level that um, they, they hadn't been able to reach up until then. Within the reserves, though, or the um, the development side, you've got some pretty decent players in there: Martin Olsen, Frank yeah. Fielding, Alan Judge. You've also got some veterans like Stephen Henshaw. I think might even be there nearer to the end, and players like Jay McEverly and Jonathan Douglas who go on to play for Swindon. 
What's it like knowing that first team opportunities are limited and how do you attempt to sort of win the attention of the first team? Um, it, yeah, it's difficult. I think um, the problem is you, I think, well, well anyway, for me was that when you start playing with the, with the reserves, you feel like you're playing at a good level anyway and kind of get, you get comfortable. You don't realise that you're not playing first team football and uh and I, I think personally, I thought I waited too long to go to leave and to go out. And, and I went to Livingston and I started playing first in football. And that's when people actually start taking notice of you because until we play first in football, it doesn't matter if you're a black man. I think a lot of kids don't realise now they leave like big clubs and they think, well, I played at this big club, but you didn't actually play there. People just look at how many, how many, how many games you played in the first team. So. I was just I was happy, you know, playing the reserves and training every now and then with the first team, and uh, and I wasn't too worried. Uh, I, I probably should have, should have, you know. I mean, there was players like Matt Derbyshire, who was, who was as soon as he was eighteen, he was out on loan and playing playing games in League Two, League One, doing well. And Joe Garner was another one. And um, so yeah, if I, if I could go back, I'd probably try and push for a loan in the lower leagues. I think that's uh, that would have been massive for me. So Swindon's hopes of maybe getting another might be quite high. This is Miglia Ranzi in towards Fallon here. It's Fallon! It's 2-1! Swindon on fire! That's a great finish. Great finish from Fallon. Pulling it onto his right foot and getting away. But it's made by that man, Miglia Ranzi. Now, in July 2009, you leave Blackburn and uh, an Italian named Roberto Landi signs you for Livingston after a trial. Um, Rome uh, to Blackburn to Livingston isn't a normal route for any young professional footballer. So how did you end up in Scotland? Um, basically, yeah, when, when we were at Blackburn the last, uh, last season, we, we, the, the reserve manager took us to Glasgow to play a friendly match against... Uh, uh, Rangers and after the game I heard the guy uh, talking Italian with a Roman accent on the phone and I thought that's very strange I've never met and never like not even a, an Italian never mind the guy from Rome so I started chatting to him and uh, and he took my number and stuff and then out of the blue like four months later he's, he's phoned me and he's like oh, you left that one and stuff I went yeah well me and my partner got a business partner we're taking over Livingston uh, in, the, in the Scottish Championship we've got big plans and stuff and uh, to be honest, at that point, I wanted to go back to, to Italy, but um, this came about and I went there for a couple of days and all of a sudden they gave me a three-year contract. So I felt like I was a good club. Obviously, it was a lot smaller than the Blackman. I was scared of, you know, getting... Because obviously, at Blackman, you get... You, you ask for anything to do for you in two minutes. You know, I was... Uh, I realised that I could speak English, but I couldn't make a phone call. Because every, every time I had a problem, I would just go to reception and ask, ask for help and they'd do everything for me, even if it was buying a pair of boots and ring someone on paying a bill or something, anything like that. Um, so I thought I would struggle to get used to it. But, they, you know, the Italians had good plans. Obviously, later on, it didn't work out well for them. But um, I felt comfortable straight away and I was, I was, I was happy. You know, for me, it was different. I mean, we had the chef was Italian, the manager was Italian, the whole staff was Italian. Everyone, you know, it was like an Italian club, but for me, it was quite enjoyable. Now, after a decent start, it does go wrong for Livingston, who end up going into administration and dropping down two divisions as well. Livy start again in the fourth tier of Scottish football under Gary Bollen. Um, given the circumstances, why did you stick around? Uh, basically, what, um, what happened, um, as soon as I signed for Livingston, I 
Uh, I had a bad injury, which is the same I've got now. I snapped my cruciate. Um, I didn't play that season, basically. I was back in um, kind of March, April when the season was over, and I was back to full fitness the, the, the season the season after, pre-season, and uh, all these problems happened, you know, the administration, a lot of people losing jobs. It was, it was crazy, you know, I, mean, I realised, that moment I realised how much, you know, how important it is to win games in, in, in football, and uh, it wasn't like the, the happy life, happy life I was having in the reserves at Blackman, where you win or lose, doesn't matter, you have to win, because people... People, uh, people, jobs were at stake, and, uh, and that was the case. I seen that, you know, I realised that the situation was bad, and eventually we got them over to the to the third division, which was uh, was a big shock. But I realised I had to play at that moment. I didn't have, you know, again, as I said to you before, people just look how many games you played. At that moment, I didn't play many games, so so I thought, you know, I've, I can play games here, and my, my plan was to be back in the championship in two years, and and it was a big, big decision because obviously, I, you know, I was. Uh, all of a sudden, we were going to places like Stranraer and Albion Rovers and Montrose and Peterhead and places that, you know, my, every now and then my family used to come up and watch me playing. They were, you know, they were happy for me because I was playing, but I could see their faces like, who are you playing against? You know what I mean? It was, uh, it was a bit strange, but eventually we got back to, to, the, to the championship and I, I got my move uh, to Swindon, which, you know, in the end it worked out unbelievable for me because... If I see what happened, you know, late in the years, I couldn't have made the better decision. I think um, I think I looked it up in the in the forty two fixtures that season. I think there were only nine that were that had over a thousand supporters to give those listening an idea of the sizes of the crowds down there. But again, you play with some pretty decent players at Livy. You've got um, Robbie Winters, who was a veteran there, mm-hmm. Andy Halliday, who's at Rangers now, Mark McNulty, and um, for those who remember Soccer Saturday about 10 years ago, Kenny Dusha, or Dusha, yeah. um, he was also there. So it's definitely a pool of talent, even that far down in Scotland. Yeah, yeah especially Livingston. Livingston had a, had a big club for developing uh, young players. If you think Snodgrass is a, no, it's playing a good level in the Premiership. Dorrance is another one who's up back in Scotland now. Lee Griffiths is probably one of the best strikers in the SPL. And as you say, Matt Minolte done well when he went down. There's a change to McPakins, another one. So back then, we there was a lot of good players. And uh, it's a shame that you know in the last few years, there's not been many uh, young players coming out of that, that setup. But uh, I think Livingston definitely got a good name for, for developing young players. If they won, send me off. Every game, no problem. I will win this league anyway, because my team is a strong team. Their words, we play football, even if they send me off, we win this league, no problem. Now, in the summer of 2011, after three good seasons, well, two after the injury, um, you joined Swindon. Um, and Swindon have just been relegated to League Two. We have a rookie manager, wildcard, if you will, by the name of Paolo Di Canio, who's installed as yeah. manager. Um, we'll get to Di Canio in a moment, but how did you move down to Swindon come about? Oh, basically, I left. Uh, I left uh, Livingston. I wanted to. I wanted to play. Uh, you know, better. I just wanted to do the, the best I could. You know what I mean. So uh, I left. We, you know, on good terms. You know, they were they were all happy. They got they went back to the championship. I was I was very close to the fans and everyone at the club. I loved, honestly loved it. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to go down to England. Um, but nothing was happening in the first few weeks, and eventually I was. I, I remember I was going to sign for Falkirk, and but all of a sudden the major called me and said, "Oh, I've just spoke to the chairman and uh, Swindon. He's a good mate of mine. He was Jeremy Jeremy Ray at the time, and uh, he said, why 'Why don't you go 
you want to, they're going to go to North Town uh, on pre-season. You're in Italy now, so why can you join them for a week or two? And I was over the moon because uh, obviously I just found out Di Canio was the manager and I was just happy to to go on trial, to be honest. But then they spoke again and eventually I can't remember it. A lot of things happened, but basically they ended up giving me a contract because uh, I knew obviously I had Falkirk and stuff and... I couldn't believe it, to be honest. I was just—I didn't know much about Swindon, but the candy for me was, you know, a hero for for any any lad that is a Lazio fan and is, you know, is my age. I think not many uh, would say that the candy is, is not one of the main players for them, you know, growing up. And for me, it was it was no difference. It was unbelievable. It was like a—it was a dream country. So they say never meet your heroes. Uh, Part of the canyon, as you mentioned, was one of yours. What were your first impressions? Um, he's, he's a character, you know. What I mean, from the first minute you meet him, you know he's special. He's just the, the stuff he says is just different from everyone. He's, he's not ordinary, you know what I mean? He's just got something about him that you think, oh, he's, he's a character. And uh, and I know they say that, but I'm, honestly, I couldn't have been uh, any lucky to to have met him because he, he's changed he's changed me as a as a player as a person, you know, because he's at that point, I've never met a manager that was, he had such high standards, you know what I mean? I went from Livingston to Swindon, people think maybe it was League One, but for me, it was like playing for Real Madrid, because all the, the standards that he had and the plans they had for the club and the pressure we were under and, and the pressure he put us under was, was incredible and uh, I had to get used to that, it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't easy and the first few months were really difficult, to be honest. Did you come in as a forward or a winger? I always played up front. Uh, Honestly, I just I always been a, a kind of like a, a second striker, as I used to say. And, uh, I never really, I, I didn't know how to track back. I didn't, I never defended in my life at that point. Uh, so at the start, I was a striker, but that, that changed that changed very really quickly. There's a significant Italian presence again um, for you at Swindon. You've got Alberto Camazzi for a little while, Alessandro Cibocchi, uh, Mattia Lanzano, plus the backroom staff as well. I'm sure, um, well, I'm not sure if you knew this, but many of Swindon fans didn't associate you with the Italians because of your time in the UK. Was it good to have fellow Italians around again? It was brilliant. It was brilliant, especially... Mattia and, and Chibo because obviously Alberto well Alberto was older than us he had his family and came from a he was playing at a very very good level in Italy and he's, he had his own world you know what I mean he's, he's still, still keeping touch with his eyes he's a nice lad you know what I mean but uh, me, Mattia and Chibo were kind of the same age Mattia was a bit younger than us and I used to live with Mattia so he was uh, especially in the first few months when things weren't going that well I would say probably weeks not months but uh, he, he was it was good to go back home and, and I wasn't on my own you know we, we were just helping each other and we, we used to eat together every night you know I'm calling that for Italians and we used to go to a place called Fratellos in uh, in Sweden and we used to spend many evenings there he was uh, and he, he was he, he helped me a lot to be honest um, and obviously it didn't work out well for Matthias so that uh, he had to he had to move and we weren't living together anymore but at the start it was crucial for me to have them. Incidentally, I have been sent a request by a listener, which is odd because I don't usually take requests, but this is from a Simon Ferry of Glasgow. He says, ask Rafa about Chibo's clobber. Chibo was different. It wasn't different for me because I know what Italians, some Italian footballers dress like, but he was, uh, 
it, it was, was Stefan and, uh, and it, it was people like Simon that obviously would would let him know that he was he's, 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 you know his clothes were shocking uh, and he Chibo just wouldn't obviously he couldn't speak English so he was asking me what are they on about I was like oh, just Chibo don't worry he was, he was just Simon being, a, being an idiot but yeah he was he was different so his so his jeans was like had it was just he's hard he's hard to explain he's just he had he, he just dressed different from anyone else. What's that Simon Ferry like? Oh, he's, uh, he's uh, one of the biggest characters I've ever met in my life. He was, uh, he was just, uh, not, again, he was just different. You know, his, his sense of humour and, uh, and even, well, even his clothes, he can't talk much about his clothes. He's, he was all about, well, he's not, I don't think he's the same now, but he used to have, uh, he used to be into vintage stuff and that, so he used to dress like, I just couldn't believe he was in the wind-up at the start. But then when you, when you, you know, get to know him, you realise he actually got he's he's, he's he's got an interesting uh, uh, dress sense. You know what I mean? Uh, and he's very brave. You know, he doesn't care what people say. And, and eventually, you know, I, I was fascinated by him. You know what I mean? But he's uh, he's he's, he's banter incredible. You know, he's always making you laugh. And uh, and even in difficult times, he was always ready to make a joke. And and he, he helped he helped to change him a lot. You know, you meet characters like him, and he was uh, he was one of the main players in there, on and off the pitch, to be honest. Now, preseason includes a trip to Italy. Um, was that tough? Was it an enjoyable first experience? I think it's you consider like the move to Swindon, like Real Madrid. Is it is it things like this trip to Italy that really make a difference? Um, uh, for me, it was mainly it was mainly Di Canio that was making a difference because he was he got so much attention from from the press and stuff that you know that a lot of uh, friendly games were filled and. You, you, you see yourself on Sky Sports News. For me, it was that, that didn't used to happen at uh, Livingston, obviously. But even the, the trip to Norcia for me was, uh, again, it was unbelievable because Rome is, you know, I knew Norcia, so it's a really nice place. Obviously, the English guys didn't know anything about it, but it was tough because he was, um, we expected to go there and have like a nice hotel and, and everything else, but we went to this place, it was basic and we had no Wi Fi and the rooms were like, literally had a bed and a tiny TV and um, but for me to, to train in, in a place that's an hour and a half from Rome and my family could come um, at the end of the week uh, it was it was you know it was brilliant I never had that I've always been surrounded in the, in the years in the eight years before I was always surrounded by Scottish and English people so to be in that Italian environment for me was uh, was class you know even even finish training and have and have Italian food and they, they, you know the, the food that they'll tell was brilliant I, I loved every minute of it but as Simon said I listened to it and it, it was so tough you know I remember I used to we used to finish at kind of 6, 7 o'clock and I used to just have some food and go straight to bed and it was like that for 14 days it was uh, it was really tough but uh, I think everyone everyone uh, took advantage from it because you know we were, we were the fittest team in the, in the, in the league by a country mile and uh, there wasn't many injuries. I was. I went two years without an injury because the they they put the Canio and the, their staff took so much interest in little things like doing a prehab and like core core stability stuff to prevent uh, prevent you from getting injured. Uh, getting injured. So um, it, it was it was brilliant. Obviously, you weren't enjoying it at the time because in the morning you, couldn't, you wouldn't even see a, a football. You'd just be on the track doing thousand meters, eight hundred meters, six hundred meters every morning. Uh, but at the end of it, you felt like you, you know, ready, ready for the, ready for the season. 
With the exception of Leon Clark, who joins and quickly legs it as a result of those famously tough coaching methods, um, you and the new signings, you know what you're getting into, kind of. How did the other players adapt to De Canio's coaching? Was it a simple case of get involved or get out? Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. much. He was, he, you just, just had to, to get on with it. it. Uh, but, but he was so motivating, to be honest, that a lot of people bought into it, even though... It was hard to, to understand why we can now Wednesday off because, uh, you know, all the, the English lads were used to it. To, to, you know, especially England and Scotland, everything works the same. You know, you, you train in the morning, you've got your afternoon, uh, your, your Wednesday's off and your Monday, your Sunday's off. And, they, you know, the can you just thought different before. Why, why should you have a Wednesday off? There's no reason why you should have a Wednesday off. So it was tough to get used to it. Every day was the same. You got to a Friday where... You know, now when, when, I, when I train, when, you know, when everyone else in England or Scotland trains, is Wednesday breaks up your week and then you go back in, into, into training on Thursday and then Friday, you're like ready for the game, you've, you're buzzing. But when you train every day, it's difficult because you feel like, you know, only every day is the same. So it was hard to get used to that. But when we started winning, you know, everyone, everyone you know, we were still mourning about how hard training was, but it was... Uh, you know, everyone was buzzing and the place was on fire, to be honest. Opening day victory aside, the season doesn't start well. In August, Town lose four of the five first league games. I very much remember Town fans doing what fans do, and that's already start to question De Canio's future at the club. Do you remember that at the time? Was there any early pressure or was everyone on board? Um, no, no, it was difficult. It was very difficult for everyone. Um, the, the, the game that sticks out in my mind is probably the Oxford game at home when we, we got beat and uh, you know the county came in. He was very emotional. He was he kept saying, "I know we can do this, even 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 if everyone is against us now." Right, rightly so, because the fans obviously couldn't see uh, anything positive. To be honest, we weren't doing well. We, we, we went to places like Dagenham and we got battered and. Uh, Cheltenham, I think we got battered, and you know, I mean, not, nothing was going well. But he was, he was still so sure that we were going to turn it around, and, and he was hard to see. That I was after that game against Oxford. I was, you know, the, the lowest I'd, I'd ever been in, in in a long time, and I thought this is a disaster. You know, that was a big, big game for the fans, and everything's against us and stuff. And I didn't know well. I was, I wasn't doing well at, at that time. I just, I just felt that. Um, I didn't feel up to it, to be honest, and, uh, and I, was, I was down, but I'd, the next day you wake up and he would be so motivating and he'd be so enthusiastic in his, in his training, he'd just, just, you know, it's he, he, easy to, to, to buy into it because he's so, he's, he's, his enthusiasm is unbelievable. Uh, so, eventually, you know, two days later, I think we went to Bristol City and I scored and we won and, and everything was, you know, kind of, we picked up a bit of momentum and uh and then we turned it around all of a sudden and you know, we had the season that we all know. Yeah, the Bristol City win was very, very good considering they were the division bow. It's a nice finish as well, so it was a good way of uh, getting off the mark. That yeah, was brilliant. I really needed that. I felt that, you know, obviously the fans were a bit unhappy with, with me and other players. So to get a win against a, a, a team that obviously, obviously is kind of a derby for the Swindon fans, so um, to go there and beat a team that's in the Championship uh, and, you know, to... to to win such an important game uh, gave us a big lift, I think. Um, even though I think we lost the next game against Southampton, where obviously there was big problems with Leon. Leon and, but after that, we, um, we we started winning. I think the first game we won was Rotherham at home. It was on TV. And then after that, we, we 
uh, we, we were flying, you know, we won a lot of games. On the derby front, because I'm always fascinated with footballers in regards to derbies, because you're a footballer raised in a different country to the one that you're playing in, and you're playing within a squad of players who have little or no links to Swindon. How aware are you of the derbies? Do you sign for clubs and instantly hit Wikipedia, for example? Or do you allow the friends to tell you exactly who we need to beat during the season? No, I, 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 obviously, because I support that, and I know you know that there's some games that mean more more to the fans than others. And um, you look straight away, and I knew straight away. So obviously, you just know you don't need to look on Wikipedia. You just know that Oxford is 25, 30 minutes from Swindon, and there's a big rivalry, and people remind you of it. And uh, and the build up to the game is different because there's a lot more people getting interviewed and you can, you can just feel it you know what I mean and in today's games like it's, it's, it's horrible you know it's horrible because you know that it means so much to to um, to the fans and, uh, and that, that's why I think that game was a was a low moment for us and um, uh, unfortunately you know we didn't manage to beat Oxford too many times in the two seasons I was there but uh, there was a uh, you know the, the, all the players knew how much it meant to the fans we still struggle with Oxford. It's bad enough losing yeah. to Oxford at the best of times, but and we've done that a lot and over the last decade or so. But um, the one, the first one you play in, we definitely should have got the points in that one. That was probably the only out of all the losses we've had over since that game that we we deserved more than we got from it. How did Canny approach those types of games? Was it just pure passion, like heart, you know, tub thumping? Um, we lost to them during a poor run and we lost to them during one of our best runs as well when we went 10 unbeaten. Um, is it a mentality thing? Did they want it more? Um, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know if the occasion maybe got to us a little bit, but even Canny's obviously because he's, he's very emotional. He's a very emotional character. So for him, meant a lot because obviously he's very... The way he would, the personality he's got, he's very close to the fans and he wants, you know, even when he played for Lazio, he was always, he was one of the fans, you know what I mean? So he means a lot to him to win this, those kind of games. And, and he was, uh, maybe for us, he probably put too much pressure pressure on us, maybe. At the start, as you said, I think that game we should have won, I think Medi Cruz had a lot of chances in the second half and, and we should have lost that game. But uh, when we went back in, in kind of springtime, I think he was, we got beat. To nil, I think we we felt like uh, we looked like a completely different team, and he, he started to to say why maybe maybe it was too much pressure, and, um, and they just maybe they just relax and play their games, and and uh, in the end they they, um, they come out on top. But uh, yeah, it was very disappointing. I think he meant a lot to the fans, he meant a lot to him, and, uh, and we were very disappointed to lose that. Now Ferry to the byline, Devita. They have turned it around. Simon Ferry to the byline, and he had the presence of mind to pick out Rafael De Vita. Now, the victories, as you say, begin to roll in, but so do the transfers as well. Town are prolific in the transfer market throughout the season, with plenty of attacking players arriving. Majira, Clark, Jervis, Montano. That's just off the top of my head. Your place really isn't affected until the new year, but it must be frustrating to see all those players come in. It was was mental. I think I probably couldn't remember all of them. There was so many players that came in for like a month and then they were they just disappeared and the county was like you know what I mean as soon as we lost the game we'd be in the change room going oh, if we don't get three players next week I go I leave so you're like three new players going on and 
you're kind of trying to keep your place and eventually, you know, you, you have the different, different form and stuff and there's this good players coming in. He signed a lot of good players, to be honest. I know there was a few that went in, came in and then left the next month. There was a lot of good players. And uh, I think after January when he got, uh, I think it was Philip Rooney that signed from Gillingham and uh, he played in front of me for, uh, for, uh, for a good few months and... Um, and he just, I don't know, he just had to, the other thing is that we're winning games, so I was just thinking, it's brilliant, we're going to win the league and we're going to go up to League One, so I just, I'm, I'm happy, you know what I mean, as long as I'm involved and I do my best to get back in the team, I'm, I'm, I was trying to keep positive, you know what I mean, but he, he was crazy, he was just, he never felt like safe, uh, every game he felt, when you lost the game with the can, he was kind of the end of the world, you know what I mean, I used, I remember I used to go home and we lost the game. I, I felt like felt like I didn't deserve to be. You know, I mean, it was just it was crazy. It was uh, it was like the world ended every time we lost the game. Uh, so that that helped. I think that made everyone stronger mentally and uh, and and helped helped us you know keep high standards. And for us, it was just winning a game and nothing else mattered. Uh, so I think that's that's another reason why we uh, we done so well that season. Can you guess? How many players you played alongside in in senior competitions in that first season? Because I know it would have to be over close to thirty five. I don't know. <laughs> I think it'd be a lot. Of them. Do you want to know what the answer is? One thirty five. Well done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. Now name them. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, I knew it was close to that because there was uh, there was many of them. Many of them came pre season and left. Many of them came on So uh, I knew I wasn't far off. Now, I was living away from the West Country during the first half of that season, but I did see you score your first goal at the county ground in a 4-0 win against Barnet, who, sake of it, were one of the worst teams I've ever seen at the county yes. ground. I remember yeah. looking at Laurie Sanchez in the dugout for them, who's ex-Swindon, and he just looked completely uninterested for 90 minutes, and his players didn't look too much too keen either was it relief to get that first goal in front of Swindon fans or were you just happy to be doing your bit at that stage no it was it was massive yeah to, but more, most importantly to get a win because uh, we were starting to do well and uh, I got at that point I got moved to to I was a left winger all of a sudden which was I wasn't honestly I just I didn't think about it because if I thought about it I'd be like what like what's happening? Yeah, I'm a midfielder now, but uh, he was working well. So I just, I was just going into games thinking, I just need to do what he's saying because obviously, I, either in the first half or second half, I was playing next to him and it was tough. Because he was after five minutes to be shouting in Italian all sort of stuff like, "Are oh, you shitting yourself?" And you know stuff like that. After five minutes, he didn't even give you time to to settle into the game. He was he was very demanding. So I was just like concentrating on doing my job and. And the goal, a couple of goal, goal, goals came, and I felt I was doing a lot better, and, uh, and uh, I was adapting well to my to my new position. So, um, yeah, and it was uh, at that, that time, September, October, up until Christmas, I was I was quite happy with the, the way things were going, and we we started doing well in the FA Cup as well. So, uh, I was I was really enjoying it. Yeah, the good form really does accelerate, and Swindon play some really really great stuff. And we play with, is I want to say aggressive, but it's purely down to those fitness levels that it's just non-stop and you could see it was like a boxer having their opponent on the ropes. Was this purely down to Canio's philosophy or were we, as our opposition fans were saying, buying the league? Uh, well, it's a bit, bit of everything. I think obviously we, we signed, we, 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 
Canyon managed to sign, we're allowed to sign, uh, sign a lot of good players. So that's obviously you can, uh, you can't deny that. But I feel that, you know, he said at the start of the season, he said, pre-season is going to be tough and we're going to go into the games and we're going to struggle because we, we're still having the legs. While everyone is playing five-a-side now, you know, they're, they're going to be flying at the end of the, at the start of the season, but then they'll die at Christmas. And that's exactly what happened. It was, that's another thing that, you know, everything they said, he... Eventually happened, so he was like, "These guys are genius." You know what I mean? He knows what he's talking about. We, in the first and especially in the second season, we we arrived at Christmas in an unbelievable form, and we batter teams. I can't remember exactly what we done. I think he was, um, well, especially the second season. Anyway, we were winning games four or five nil, and it was uh, it was exactly what he said because obviously we 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 put a big load on our legs in pre-season and and we struggled the first few games with a bit. Heavy leg and stuff, but after that we were, you know, we were flying and 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 I think that was a big, big part of our success. As the season progresses, season one that is, you find yourself beginning to come in and out of the squad. Um, what was your relationship with Decanio like? Did you ever? We hear stories of like when you're out, you're out. Um, how easy was it to stay on his good side? How easy was it to get on his bad side? And was there ever a way back? Oh, the good thing with, I think with Dikani was that you know at that moment he didn't feel that I was I was doing enough to be to be involved and but he didn't have even though we had a lot of we had players that were key players like say Marty Ritchie and Paul Cardis and and West at that point and you know the, he, he was he, he didn't have favourites so if he weren't doing it he was just out of it and if you surely in training that you were doing it you'd be back in it so I, I felt that I always had a chance for him and obviously the fact that we I was Italian. And I, we're both from, you know, we, he's from a, an area that, you know, he's probably two miles from from where I grew up. So, uh, well, I, f- I felt like I could obviously um, um, have a, a, a different relationship with him, not in terms of favoritism, but just the way I could just go to him and say, like, what? Can you just tell me what's happening? And he was, he was obviously didn't have any problems uh, telling me. Um, but I never felt I was completely out of it. Obviously, I was disappointed towards the end because you. He felt that my head wasn't completely in it. Obviously, he was he was all about. He had this sixth sense, like he felt at, at times out of nowhere, he's saying, "Oh, you, your head is not on it." And uh, even though I thought I was doing everything the same, he felt that uh, there was players that uh, deserved to play play in front of me. So, but as I said, I never felt that I was completely out of it. And I was I was buzzing when we won the league, and, and I knew the next season I'd be that uh, I would have the same opportunities to to uh, get a place in the team. As you mentioned, we do enjoy some cup runs, the FA Cup and the Football League Trophy, um, which we get to the final of and sadly lose. I'd have been really annoyed if I had missed out on some game time at Wembley, um, as you did, sadly, when you consider that two players made their debut that day, John Bostock and um, Jay McEverley. Was that a surprise to you that you weren't playing or you didn't get any minutes? Yeah, it was, I was very disappointing. You know, he, he, to be fair, he's... He sat, sat me down the day before, and I remember he took me. Everyone went went in after training, and he, he told me to stay. And we had like a, a long walk on the on the on a Lidington in one of the uh, training pitches, and uh, he just said, "Listen, that's I'm I'm I'm, I'm sorry that you're not you're not going to start tomorrow." And uh, he gave me his reasons, but he just said, "Remember, like I I know you're doing everything you can, and you're giving me everything, and I'll, I'll never forget that." And, you know what I mean? For a for a moment, for me, I I just couldn't get out of my head that he was 
they can, you know what I mean? So I had that sort of respect. I could never be, I could never be disrespectful to him and say, nah, that's out of order. I'm playing every game in this cup and I want to start. I just felt he was always right and I had to listen to him. So I had family, you know, come up and they were raging, obviously, because they wanted to see me play at Wembley. But I was, I was, I just wanted the team to win it because I felt that uh, we've done so much that season. We deserve to, to to win the game, to win the cup. Um, so it was disappointing, but it was more disappointing to uh, to to lose the game and, and uh, not to lift the cup in the end. But it doesn't matter because we win League Two. Yeah, exactly. I was uh, that was the aim at the start of the season. You know, that was uh, the cup was a bonus, and uh, even though even though the candidate didn't take it well, and it was a. Uh, the week after was uh, was not, you know, there was, was a great atmosphere in the training ground, but um, the main thing was uh, was to win the league and get promoted. And that's your third championship medal in a row, right? Yeah, yeah, because uh, it was funny actually because uh, when, when we were doing, we weren't doing so well. Uh, I remember we were kind of, I think we were second bottom after four or five games, and uh, we we needed someone to give us a left, and instead we turned up at the training ground once and. Uh, Basically, the can you printed off the league table and uh, he stuck it like on the, on the main door of Linton and uh, he was just showing us and we were just saying, no, we're going to go down, basically. Just carry on like this, we'll go down. Uh, be out of the football league, you want to have a job, blah, blah, blah. And, and at lunchtime, Fabrizio came with, he had a lot of papers in his hand and he just kept handing like papers to each one of us. And basically, every player had... All these feelings, basically, all, he, basically he, he, he gave time and he's like a paper and from Wikipedia saying, oh, relegated from League One, from Swindon Town, someone else had been relegated with, I don't know, Scunthorpe, you know what I mean? And then he gave one to me and obviously I was the only one that had two promotions, but he just came to me, he gave me that and then when I walked past him in the corridor, he just went, oh, by the way, that doesn't count, that's Mickey Mouse League, don't, don't think you've done anything good, you're, you're a failure like everyone else. I was like, oh, thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so it was. Uh, I had one, two leagues, but obviously, when when you go down to you know down to England and you play at that level, you realise that you know it's. Uh, I was still proud of it, but I know I know it, it's, it's not the same as winning League Two or League One in England. How does a Paolo Di Canio squad celebrate a league win? Uh, you just can't, you can't celebrate. You just can't. I think we well we went to Gillingham. We got promoted, even though we. We lost. He came in the change room and went. I don't. I, I don't give a shit. We got promoted. If you don't finish champions, you'll have three weeks off, and then you'll be back in training. I spoke to the PFA. I just need to give you three three weeks off. I'm allowed to give you three weeks minimum, and then you'll be back in training middle of June. So I was like, like you can't even be happy. You know, you you played 46 games or nearly. I think it was 40 games at the time. You won a league. After all, we've been through. You can't even celebrate. And at that point, you think, oh, I can't take this. You know what I mean? It's too much. But then you realise he just wants the best. He felt that we were letting ourselves down, and he was right because we went to Gillingham and we were terrible, and uh, and we didn't we didn't deserve to celebrate that that uh, that day. But then after we won against Port Vale, it was uh, you know he's, he loved celebrating himself. He was on the he was on the stage singing uh, "Top Lord" the song and stuff. So. He just thought that after Gillingham, it wasn't the right time to um, to praise us and to, to let us celebrate. I just love the idea that um, he said all that at Gillingham in the next game. It's like three weeks off, guys, if you don't win the championship. Following game, Swindon Town 5, Port Vale nil. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> that, that was his way to motivate. But maybe, you know, if, 
if we if we hadn't acted that way, we, we would have lost that game because you, you could have just said, listen, it doesn't matter if you lost, you won't, you got for more. It's just it's party time for my till the end of the season. And uh, well, that's just that's just him. You know what I mean? He's the, the biggest professional I've ever met in my life, and uh, and uh, you know little things like that show you why he, why he was at the top level when he was a player. Now Richie he finds Ferry, beaten away by Colgan. Oh, it's loose! It's Ferry again. And that has surely sealed Swindon's place in round two. Now, Di Canio has a mini clear out during the following summer with some regulars in the town squad leaving on free transfers. Alan Connell and Jonathan Smith certainly did. Was your future ever in jeopardy during that pre-season? Not not that I know of anyway, but I don't know whether he thought that... um, uh, about getting me out uh, on loan or to try and get me a new club, but he never really mentioned anything to me. I, I knew obviously that there was good players in my possession. Uh, Robbo was one of them, Gary Roberts, and I knew how good he was. I knew the experience he had, and, and he was a proper out and out winger. You know what I mean? He was a he was a certainty to start the season for the because he invested a lot on him. Obviously, he was a he was a very good League One player. Um, Luke Rooney was still one of them, but. For some reason, uh, um, I don't really, I don't, I don't quite well in that pre-season, and there was Robbo was interest straight away, and and in the end, I found myself playing against, I think it was Brighton in the in the cup, and then I started the first game of the season, and we started quite well, so I stayed in for uh, for a good while. Yeah, I remember walking out of that Brighton League Cup game and thinking that the championship was a real possibility because that was a yeah. very, very good uh, performance in front of Sky Sports cameras. That League Cup run actually was quite quite good fun. Brighton, Stoke, Burnley, all before our uh, our exit against Aston Villa, which was a great game as well. Roy Keane, of all people, name-checked Swindon in his autobiography by talking when he was talking about inferior teams trying harder against the bigger teams and he's kind of going, if they tried as hard against us, maybe like against the other teams, then maybe they'd be a better football, <laughs> football team. Mm-hmm. Um, as a footballer, do you try harder against bigger sides? No, maybe obviously you've got when when you uh, we played against say we played against Aston Villa. Obviously you want to impress people because you're playing against big players, and obviously there is an extra motivation. But with, with that year with Swindon, we we kind of just prepared the game like we always we always did in League One and League Two. You know, it was no difference. So we he made us believe that we could beat anyone, and and after uh, you know we've done so well against big teams. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of games. It's not just a couple. You know, apart from the obvious ones like Wigan and, and uh, even when we went to Leicester, I didn't think we, do, we did so bad. And we played well against Aston Villa. We, we went and we won against Stoke City. Uh, you know, we, we scored forward at Stoke City when you know it was one of them places where even in the Premier League, you know, teams would go there and struggle to score. Um, so obviously, yeah, it was. It, we we obviously wanted to. To prove ourselves and, and the fans that we were, we were good, enough, good enough to compete, but we were literally going into every game uh, with, with the same belief that we could uh, we could do well. Yeah, it's a it's a good start. It's a solid start um, to the season. But Decanio famously subs Webb Swadringham early during a game at Preston, and I think that was the first time where I was thinking, "Come on, Paolo, think about it for goodness' sake." When when you're running around as you were in that game, trying to make amends to falling behind early. When you see that sort of managerial decision, what are you thinking? Because, I mean, Bedwell doesn't do himself any um, injustice. He does quite well. But where's this one of the best goalkeepers in the lower leagues? 
Yeah, 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 yeah but at that, that point, I was the second season. season. I was ready for anything, to be honest. I wasn't scared of him. I'd, I'd been, I'd been taken off after 43 minutes uh, a few months before at Wimbledon, and when you could just, <laughs> could have just went into your half time, and he took me off after 43 minutes just to make a point, just to embarrass me and to to, to prove that in my head I was just. I knew, I knew I deserved it, but you know, any other manager would try and protect you. He was just. You know, uh, it's just exposing about that. Um, so I was ready. I, I wasn't obviously. I was surprised, but I, I didn't think he was. Uh, you know, out of this world for him to do something like that. We, we were shocking that game. We had twenty minutes that we were all over the place, to be honest. And uh, I don't know. He had. He had this. As a manager, he felt like he always had to do something. You know, he couldn't just sit back and, and let it happen. So. Obviously, it's unfortunate what happened to West because he was. Uh, it's, it's never nice when you come off so early. But if you remember, it happened to Chibo a few months uh, before that. I was on the bench against Oxford, and we were two 0 down after fifteen minutes or something. And he just took him off. And uh, I remember for the whole game, every time we had the chance, say Billy Bolden had the chance, and everyone was like, "Oh no!" Just desperate for us to score. He would just turn round and go to Chibo. It doesn't matter, even if you score, you'd ruin the game for us. It's all your fault, it's all your fault. And he would do it every five minutes. And it was just like, it was constantly on you if you wanted. But as I said, he was just ready for anything. He made you so much stronger than other players because you felt like you had to deal with a lot of pressure and high demands. And So that that day was just another, another crazy day. But... Um, I think he's he's seen it. The, the main his main problem that game was that we beat Stoke on the Tuesday and everyone was raving about us saying, "Oh, blah, blah, we're going to win the league and stuff." And he came. I remember he came the next day. He was like, "I don't like this. I don't like when people text me and say how good we were." I've got friends from Italy texting me saying, you, "Your team is going to win the league," and, and I don't like it. I've got this massive game against Preston, and I feel that you're getting carried away. I don't think anyone anyone. Believed it. We thought we'd be stuck. We'd be all right, Preston. And he, like everything that he said, happens after 15 minutes. So obviously, you can see his frustration. He's, you know, how passionate he is, and everyone could see that he was. He was so he cared so much that he wanted to to do something. And as a manager, all you can do is, is you know, change something by um, taking someone off. And um, you know, but he liked to do style. The, the, the funny, like, looking at it now, it, the funniest thing is that he's standing on the. And, uh, Sideline, he's waving his arm in a typical Italian wave, wave, just not even, you know, where's he's coming off? And on top of that, he's like waving to come off. That's making even worse, I think. When I watch that video, I still laugh. We go on that run. You're scoring more goals than you were the season before, but you're playing less time, which is one of those weird things in football. We, oh, it's, it's so frustrating, really, because we look fantastic then. Of course, the funding is pulled. Matt, Rich, Matt Ritchie is sold. Decanio resigns. What What are your memories of that time? Oh, horrible! Yeah, horrible. I mean, I think for everyone, uh, but for me, it was even more because having Decanio as a manager for me was a dream, and I enjoyed it. Honestly, every single day I used to go in and I couldn't wait. Because I knew I would have been. It was going to be eventful, so every day I used to come in and think half. I, just, I wonder what was going, what he's going to say today, and what what his training session is going to be like. Because every day he had something to say that you would go home and think about it. You know, I mean, he just had this funny way of saying things that um, obviously his English wasn't perfect, but he, um, he would always try to, to. He wanted to communicate so many things, and and he was just he was just 
you know, being being involved in that was special. You're you're always learning about your game and about football every day. So for me to all of a sudden, you know, we were doing really well. I think we were top of the league at that, that point. Yeah, because yeah, the game against we won against the game against when he resigned, and uh, we were top of the league. But I just felt that you know, the, the, if he had stayed, we, we would have had a good chance to go up. Because uh, um, after that, you know, McDonald came in and. Um, it was difficult. It was difficult for him and for all, for all the players to to you know carry on um, and and get promoted. And eventually, you know, he went to the playoffs and it was uh, we lost the battles, which was just very disappointing. But I think at that moment something something like broke and, and it wasn't the same. To be honest. It's just you look at that run before he goes, and there was that time around New Year where we beat uh, Tramier five nil, Portsmouth five nil, Carlisle four nil, and of course in Picaretta's uh, only game we go top, and then it it does we kind of cough and splutter to the to the playoffs. What was your relationship with Kevin McDonald like? Because you don't play that much under him. No, no he's, he he came in he had different ideas and. Um, he was, he was good. Guy. He was a good, good, good person, good manager, and he had good staff. Up, uh, I think it was Mark Cooper that then became the manager. He was really good as well. Uh, they, they, they were doing their best. You know, I mean, they were positive with the, with the players. They, they, he just wanted to. He wasn't so much about the shape anymore, which Dicani was all about the shape and all about tactics and watching videos. For him, it was more. It, it was very Scottish in that sense. It was just like just express yourselves and try your best and. You know, I mean, see where that takes us. But yeah, I think we, uh, up until that point, we we had someone that was telling us everything about every player in the league, and 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 looking after every single detail. So you would go on the pit and the pitch, and you just knew what what was what was going to happen, what who you were going to play against, and what that team was going to be like. To a manager that just wanted us to express ourselves, but we didn't have that kind of guidance, and maybe. Maybe we we had it up until that point, so that could have been the reason. But uh, he he was he was good. He was he had good ideas, and he, he was desperate for us to to get promoted. We weren't that far off. I'm thinking, you know, you, you win that game against you win the penalties against Brentford, and you never know what happens in the final. So at the end, it was very very unfortunate. It sounds like we went from great to good, which can make a lot of difference there. I mean, it yeah. sounds like um, De Canio's. Um, Coaching staff were the unsung heroes of that seat of of his time there. Yeah, well, they had to they had to put up with him, which was was difficult for them. They would, for what I knew, they, they were always they were never off. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, they were always around him at night, watching games during the day. They would it was just for them. For, for us, at least at one point, we used to go home during the day, but they were just constantly working for the team, and it was uh, they, they, honestly the. the Put a really, really hard shift in the two years they were there. So, uh, and they, they were brilliant. Uh, you know, even obviously it was difficult because the training was tough, but fitness coach was really good. The physios were good, and Fabrizio was really good. He, he, he honestly, they they done so much for the for the club during that period, and uh, and it would have been good if they stayed until the end. Because if we got you know, if you got the back-to-back promotion, would have been uh, would have been unbelievable for the club. Oh, and we do get so close. We should have won the first leg against Brentford, and we go um, over for the second leg at Griffin Park, Griffin Park, Griffin Road, Griffin Park, um, and we look like we're done and finished and then Aidan Flint scores in the dying seconds and I love that footage because you seem to be having a very serious face-to-face chat with him during <laughs> all of those celebrations can you remember what you were saying at that point 
I think I was saying to him, we're going to win the game now, we're going to win the game, but he's, um, he was in his own world and he always, like, he never smiles, he always looks like he wants to, you know, I've never seen him smile in two years, so. Uh, that was his normal face after he had a face after a goal or after a defeat. Uh, he never changed his, his facials, to be honest. But um, at that point, I thought, we're going to win this game, you know, and uh, and uh, I just, I think I had a, ch- a chance, a clear off the line just before that, and then he scores, and I thought, we, we you know, we, we've got them. Uh, then in the end, we went to penalties and and uh, obviously, Miles took the penalty, which he probably shouldn't have. A lot of us should have took the penalty and, uh, and we lose, and 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 he was uh, he was horrible to be honest. And, and at that at that point, I probably I didn't realise how because I was I was a lot younger than now, and I didn't realise that you know maybe an opportunity like that would, would never come along again in the future. And uh, and it is disappointing. You never know if if we got promoted to the championship and I could have stayed. You know, to play in the championship would have been a dream for me, and uh, that never happened. And uh, it hurts more now maybe than than you hurt back then. Should you have taken a penalty? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I think uh, if I look at it now, I'd be. Um, I would hate to see a young boy that has got no experience take a penalty, and the older lads not taking one. But with me, was I've, I never took a penalty uh, as a professional. Maybe only a couple when I was really young, when I was a Livingston. But uh, when you, do, I think penalties, penalties are a confidence thing. You need to, you need to feel that you're going to score, and there's players. I thought there was enough players that were ready to take one and that were used to uh, taking one, but uh, I definitely should have. I should, I should have put my hand up and uh, and, and and took one. But I just I, honestly, I, I I just felt I'm not I'm not feeling confident. And I, I don't know if I'm going to score. And, um, but looking back, I regret that because uh, it, it, it looks bad. And it wasn't just me. It was. Other players maybe should have, should have took it, and uh, whoever he was, I don't think Miles should have, should have been uh, put under that much pressure. And to be fair to him, he was he, he was happy to take it, and, uh, and uh, obviously we were all sorry. He was the one to uh, you know the, the eventually messed it, and uh, and and Brentford won, won, went through. So um, yeah, it was the whole experience was uh, was tough to take, to be honest. Richard, he's hit it and he's deflected and Swindon Town have the lead. And the season ends um, and many of, much of the squad, including yourself, part ways. Did you want to stay or was there ever any possibility of staying or was it too much for the budget? Or um, No, I just felt that uh, I, was in, I was in the plans, to be honest, uh, which was normal. You know, we had a new manager and... Uh, and you know, new managers want to want to bring their own their own players. I didn't feel that uh, maybe I was I was going to be part of the plans, but uh, at that point I was I, was, I felt some of changes. When then you know there was this when when the was there, there was uh, there was something about the club that made it special. I think and and I don't know. Obviously, the club is still it was still the same. You know, we were still a very very good club. There's a lot of good people working there and the fans. You know, for me. Playing in front of five, six, seven—it might not sound like a lot, but for me, was uh, compared to Scotland, was uh, was like playing playing in, uh, in in New Camp or like a stadium like that. And uh, so I just yeah, I just I just felt it was the right time to go, and um, and I wasn't I wasn't going to be part of the plans. But um, eventually, I went to to another big club like Radford, and I was uh, I was I was very happy to to carry on my career uh, in, in England uh, at such a big club. Yeah, you moved quite 
a bit post Swindon. Bradford for a season, then you're down season a bit. Cheltenham, I've not sure if I've forgiven you for the 5-0 just <laughs> yet. Um, you return to Scotland with Ross County. You play in front of 40,000 um, at Celtic Park, which must have been great for you, including getting a point with Ross County, which must be even better. Now you're back with Livingston. You're picking up a load of experiences. You must be still enjoying it. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Um, no, I enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed uh, Bradford. It was, well, it was a difficult season with injuries and stuff, and Cheltenham was... Definitely want to forget. I didn't. I wasn't. It wasn't good moment for me or for the club, and we just we lost a lot of games. <laughs> Funnily enough, the only the only game that we won at the time was that it was against Swindon, which was I don't know. I don't know what happened. Nathan <laughs> Thompson got sent off. Is what happened. Yeah, it yeah. did. Yeah, and I remember Swindon were playing probably the best football in uh, in England at the time. They were unbelievable with players like um, um, I think it was was it Kazim? Yeah, um, yes, Kazim. Kazim, yeah, and uh, Obika and a lot of players that really brilliant on the ball. And and we, I remember that manager actually was, I think it was Mark Yates before the game, you know, after the game, he said, I thought that we'd have been on, on you know, if it was one team that was going to concede five, would have been us. I wasn't confident at all, like going into the game. And no one was, to be honest, because we, we were trying to, we were just trying to, we just thought, let, let's, let's just. Try our best and not not look, you know, try not to get embarrassed because they could just start passing the ball. We we could we could look bad, you know what I mean. But um, everything went well for us, and um, and it was uh, it was it was sad because obviously you don't want to. I was still very close to Swindon, so I, I, I didn't really, I didn't enjoy it as much as other players. But um, but it was it was obviously good for us. Uh, but that was the only good thing about my time at Cheltenham, and then I went to. Uh, Ross County was brilliant. I, I enjoyed every minute of it, and uh, it was, it, Ross is a uh, people think it's a small club, but it's because it's, it's the only club up there, there apart from Inverness. But um, it's such a family club, and it's everyone's so tight with each other, and, and the facilities are brilliant. The chairman is invested everything in the football club, and uh, they do everything for, because they know that it's difficult to live up there. They do everything to to make you feel welcome, and they help your partners and help your family if they're a bit up there and everything is brilliant um, and obviously on top of that you, you get to play against the Celtic and Aberdeen and Dundee United and good stadiums obviously some games are less glamorous than others but playing against Hamilton and again it's not a lot of people uh, at the game but uh, when, you, when you walk out of Celtic Park and you feel like you feel privileged to, to um, go through an experience like that uh, <laughs> and then yeah, after Ross County, I wanted to go back to Italy because uh, you know after you live in Venice for two, two, two years, it's, uh, it's you know it's, it's difficult. Uh, I felt like I was missing home a little bit, and I wanted to go back. So I went to a couple of clubs, but I, honestly, I, I just I was training for, for the for the whole month of August, July, August. I was training at this club. It was in Tennessee, and it was thirty minutes from home. And I just, and I, I was so close to home, and I never feel, never felt so far away from it. Cause it was just so different from England. The atmosphere was not nice, and in Italy at that level, there's see you end of July, you still don't know what what league you're gonna play in because there's a lot of teams that are going through financial problems. You don't know if they're gonna be able to to register for the league. You don't. You need to show enough. You have enough money to to go through the season so everything is uncertain and I was there and like the, the players didn't know when the season was going to start for me it was just 
from professional football, it was like going back to to amateur football, to be honest. And I wasn't ready for it, and I thought, this is not what I want, I'm not going to enjoy it. And uh, so I just picked up the phone and uh, I spoke to a mate that was still in, in, in contact with Livingston, and I said, Listen, even if it's League One, I want to. I want to go back to. I want to go back to Scotland. Thankfully, but miracle happened, and we got we got two promotions, and we we're back in the SPL. So it couldn't have gone any better. And, and again, he's he's a club that I'm so familiar with. I mean, it's like home. You know, I mean, I've been I've been here for this is my altogether. I've done six no six years, so I know everyone. Is is obviously feel very comfortable and. Uh, uh, so, so it couldn't, couldn't have gone any better. Obviously, with the injuries, uh, it was a big setback for me. But uh, hopefully, I'll, I'll be back soon and playing some big games because uh, the, the lads have started really well. And uh, and uh, it's good to see Livingston. He's, he's a club that he's not a big town, so there's not a lot of people uh, that come to the games. But now we see like big clubs coming to play against us. See Hebs and um, even even smaller clubs like Motherwell and bring a lot of fans. So it's it's, it's, it's good to see. Uh, uh, a bit of atmosphere at the, the, um, the stadium, and uh, it's good. To, it's good for the fans because obviously, with the, with the Italians and stuff, we, they, they've gone through a lot of uh, hard times, and it's good to see that you know they're stuck by the club, and, and now they uh, they gain their rewards, and they, they get to to watch us play against Celtic Rangers and and a lot of exciting games. I'm not going to try and compete with uh, with Livingston, but um, I, I hope your time at Swindon still has um, plenty of good memories. What are your happiest memories of your time at Swindon, including just living in the town? No, I, honestly, I, obviously, I, I love Livingston because I, it's, it's a, I spent many years here. But Swindon for me was was a dream, and I, as I said it a few times in this interview, but um, it was just. Uh, it, it was just the, the perfect place for me, and I, I could have, if, if things had stayed the same, I could have stayed there uh, for all my life, honestly, for, for, until, my, until the end of my career. It was just perfect, and uh, uh, obviously playing playing for the academy was a uh, was a uh, was a dream for me. You know, I, get, I get slated a lot because I talk about him a lot, and, and when I even afterwards, I used to when I went to the clubs, I always. I always thought, what would Kanye do here? And if Kanye was here, things would be better. And he just, he just raised my standards as a, as a. I think he made me. You know, I wasn't up until then. I wasn't a footballer. I wasn't a professional footballer. I was just someone who played football. But he, he just, he made me uh, think like a footballer and live my life as like a footballer and try to be perfect. Never be, never be happy or what you've done. Always feel like he used to say to us all the time. Remember, you're average, not good. If you were good, you'd be a higher level and. Just you just every time we, we won a massive game, we'd be like, oh, you're, you're still average. You're still playing a, you know, you're playing lower leagues and stuff like that. You know, you were just so in a way, you looked like he was trying to put you down. But now I realise he was just like he wanted us to do more. And he's, even a, him as a player, he was never he was never happy or whatever he'd done. Even when he was uh, he reached uh, the you know he played people forget that he played for Milan and Juventus and Lazio and top. You know, all the big clubs in Italy and um, Napoli and stuff and he was never happy he just wanted more uh, and he, he, he um, transmitted that to us and to all the players and so Swindon for me was uh, was was great I, I loved living in Swindon even though a lot of people might think he's not uh, one of the most exciting towns in England but everything was perfect and uh, I had a good relationship with all the players there was uh, there were so many good guys in the change room you know Simon obviously is one of them and Cards was 
brilliant and so many all the lads got on with each other and which is not easy to easy to get in football so it was honestly it couldn't have gone any better even if there was tough times there was times where the team wasn't doing well I wasn't doing well and I was out of it and but honestly I enjoyed every minute of it and I couldn't have asked for a for a better time to win them to be honest I think um, five years on since the Decanio era ended and for good reasons and bad reasons, I think Swindon's, certainly within the fan base and the club to a degree, have never really recovered um, from the ending of that era. Um, my final question, do you still keep an eye on our form? All the time, yeah. yeah. I still, I still, um, I still watch, I still look after the results. Obviously, it's, it's different now because I don't know many players. Um I kept in touch with one of the lads who was at Ross County, was Chris Robertson. No, yeah, Chris Robertson, who was, uh, I don't know if he's still is with them now, isn't Yeah, yeah, he's still there. But he's the only one that I know about. Obviously, it's different. Obviously, the season straight after, you know, after I left, I used to, there was still a lot of players that I knew, so it was, you know, I used to follow it even more. But now he's just uh, looking at the results, and uh, he's, obviously, I think he's a, he's a club that deserves to be at least in League One. And, uh, and it's a shame because I, even after I left, they were doing so well and they were playing such a good football. And um, and uh, I always hope that you know, in in, in a way or another, he'll be back in League One soon and maybe challenge for the Championship one day. And uh, and I, I, I couldn't I couldn't wish you know uh, uh, I, I wish honestly the best uh, for the club because there's a lot of good people there and, and the fans the fans are really really attached to the club and uh, and I know I know how much they care so. It'd be nice, nice to see them at a high level again. Rafa De Vita, thank you very much. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. For Low Strangers is an independent Swindon Town fan podcast. The music was expertly created by Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by the super talented John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.